Yeah. So well, pictures pictures take up a lot of space. Yes, they do. And I, that's on my list of things to do. But Yeah. Well, welcome to Hip and Humble. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mom. And we talk about all things antique and collectibles. And we are supported by Hip and Humble Antiques, LLC. We've got two locations, one just outside of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, in Bethany, Oklahoma, at the Rink Gallery. And we have another one in downtown Fredericksburg, Virginia at Oldies But Goodies. We also have an online store on Etsy. That's Hip and Humble Antiques on Etsy. If we don't have something that tickles your fancy at the moment, I promise we will soon. Also, we are supported by the WGSN-DB Going Solo Network, a national online radio network that has a ton of fantastic creators and you guys should definitely check them out. Absolutely. All right. So we have been talking, and this is part three now. Part three. Part three. It's part three now of our quilting series, and you know, I mean, we've said it, we've said it time and time again, and I'm sure we'll say it again at some point in this podcast. But we could do an entire another podcast on quilting alone. Oh yeah. Oh well, like- just quilting history, quilting culture. I mean. In quilting and you know, modern quilting too is a, is an entirely is another entire topic that is oh yeah because they you know with the modern quilting you know they they branched out into like thread art oh yeah and of course then you've got painting fabric yeah and, I mean you could go days on that oh absolutely and a lot of that sparked from the beginning of the 20th century in America. So, you know, at the, t- at the turn of the 20th century, the women's suffrage movement, movement began. That was in 1920 was one of the first, uh, 1920 that year was one, uh, one of the first meetings for the women's suffrage movement took place. But before then, women had been sewing some of their more partisan views into quilts for quite some time. Quite a long time. Really. Absolutely. Yeah, they did most of, they did this mostly through imagery in their quilts, whether it be eagles or stars, uh, and uh, stars and the like. Women were creatively placing specific images into their handiwork to advertise their patriotism and their political ideologies. Well, and also sometimes just to, you know, whoever was president that year or just if something Big happened. Right, yeah. A lot of them were sewn together for specific events, like the centennial or the bicentennial, uh, birthdays of, of, of political figures. But some of them, actually, even down to the small small communities, mm-hmm. um, they would put quilts together, particularly at church. Right. Churches would have their quilting bees. Yeah. And, and I remember going to those when I was a little girl at Agnew Pentecostal Holiness Church there in Oklahoma City. Oh. Yeah, it's down there by the um, stockyards. Yeah. Yep. And uh, for reference, that's those aren't the ones that were handling snakes and all that nonsense. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, I thought you were going to say something about the stockyards. Yards. Oh no! <laughs> you know, you know what, you know what the smell of uh, stockyards is? Uh, money. Yep, smell mm-hmm. of money, honey. Smell of money, <laughs> and you can and you can smell that money from miles away. <laughs> yes, you can. Oh, there's. A- we used to do that at, at uh, Agnew. Yeah, yeah, we go to my grandma. But anyway, yeah. when you get down to the kind of more local community levels and stuff, the churches would put together memory quilts. Mm-hmm. And friendship quilts, and uh, they would all sign their blocks, so they would kind of be memorialized for a certain year or a certain event, or 
you know, a pastor that came or went or a death or, right. you know, whatever. De- uh, events within the community. Yeah. So not, o- not only large political events, but also specific community events. A lot of people have been and continue to memorial- memorialize these things through quilts. And I think that's a lot of the reason that quilts are so solidified as a folk art in American history. Oh, it's just such a, a part, uh, integrated part of life, really. Right. I mean, cause you, you know, you, oh, I mean, you needed them, period. Everybody right. sewed. Oh, uh, yeah, obviously. In, in our first segment, we talked about their utility and how realistic, or a lot of the times in the beginning, that's what they were because commercial quilts were too expensive. Well, they, the, they would bring women together, um, women and families and, you know, just the community together as a whole. And I mean, they still do that. The Mennonite communities have a huge quilt sale uh, once a year, and that's how they raise money. Right, that's, know, how, that's how they raise money to pay taxes from their properties and so on. But that, but that's a really great event, you know, a really great event leading up to the event. So oh, yeah. every week you'll go and you'll quilt and you talk to the other um, ladies in the church and you find out what's going on and, you know, just that's a good social, it's a good social time. Great for the gab. It is great for the gab. A lot, lot of, lot of, probably a lot of wars have been. <laughs> Have been uh, started and solved. Started and solved around a quilting frame. Yeah, well, and quilts were also made in support of or adverse to wars and other military actions. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, even I, the Civil War, they would do that. Yeah. The oh, absolutely. And they would and they would they would support specific generals. So they would uh, memorialize certain soldiers or battles through these quilts. I mean, these well, but the, the mothers would make them for their sons. Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. Because you didn't. You know. Of course, they didn't have a big, su- great supply chain going on. Right. So you know they would make them for their kids and husbands and whatnot, and that's what they slept on. They slept in those quilts. Well, absolutely. I mean, it, there's a saying now that a lot of supply officers like to use that uh, bullets don't fly without supply in the military nowadays. But back in that time, especially well, in the Civil War, getting goods or anything really to soldiers that were fighting on the war was almost impossible. I mean, these guys were basically traveling hundreds of miles with just what they had. That, I mean, not only did they need it for the warmth and, and whatnot, it was comfort. Oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, you know, I've got, I've made quilts for you guys and it's kind of like, okay, you can curl up in a quilt your mother made for you. And it's a lot of love in those things. Well, absolutely. You know, I've, I was in the military. I was in a submarine and there, there was a lot of stress that comes with one, being away from your family like that and two, being in situations that are stressful, uh, specifically stressful for specific reasons reasons, you know, whether it be the threat of violence or or what have you, and having something of your own from your family, like showing that you are, you matter, you like someone cares about you that's not directly next to you also experiencing this, you know, misery. That, that's, that's a comfort. And I will say that I had started, started him a quilt, um, but I think before he left, I'm not sure if he had left on on a deployment or not, but I I started him one and I was actually about halfway through piecing it together when I broke my arm. Oh yeah. And Tavin, his little brother, he knew how upset I was about not being able to finish that quilt. Yeah. And he did he actually came down and, and was sewing on it. Oh to, how sweet. Yeah, and that's sweet. 
but then it got in the flood when the basement flooded. Oh no. And so I washed it and it's over in a bag and I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a huge mess. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem for another day. And Aram's not in the Navy anymore, so I'm not in a big hurry. Yeah, no. Yeah, I once, I once heard a youth pastor, uh, label Jesus as a rebel. You know, in his time and to the Jewish leaders at the time, he was. He came to fulfill the law and imparted new his teachings. So it was very punk rock and it, and it resonated with me very well. And that being said, with that, and with that same logic, quilts are very punk rock. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea where you're going with that. <laughs> they were a way for people for quite a long time, specifically women, to stick it to the man for a lot of a better term. <laughs> they do not. They were. I mean, quilts were used as a form of not-so-silent protests against soon-to-be-outdated ideals in whatever time that they were made. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for some of them they were, yeah. Yeah. I mean, er, you know, earlier when we were talking about the imagery of the quilts that were used as political statements, they they were used as literal signs of their ideologies. But the the cleverness of those was not limited to just what they put on the quilts. It also extended to what they were called, like Polk's Fancy, Wig's yeah. Defeat, Mexican Rose, or Dolly Madison's Star. Drudgard's Path. Mm-hmm. A lot of these <laughs> but are... But they're also, like I was telling you, I think, last time, uh, a lot of these quilts, you'll see a quilt block. Yeah. And particularly, like, Drunkard's Path... It'll be Drunkard's Path, but then another part of the country, it'll be called something else. Well, absolutely. I think it was like Katie's Corner or something. I don't remember exactly which one, you know, which one it was, but that one just always comes to my mind. But yeah, it just kind of depends. They're regional. Well, that, like yeah, that's, a, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like these, these, all of these pattern references are references to specific, they're references to specific quilt patterns that circulated throughout different regions and of course gained different names based on where they were in the U.S., depending on the political movements or leanings in that region. Well, also whenever you go back to the prairie and they were coming over on the prairie and they were making quilts, you know, they would actually kind of emulate what was around them. Yeah. So there are quite a few quilt blocks that are, you know, kind of what we call prairie quilts. So they'll be more, you know, kind of a little bit more simple and whatnot. But you'll have Katie's Corner. You might have the uh, Sunrise. You know, you'll have Texas Star. And I, now I will say on the Texas Star. Yeah. Um, the Texas Star is also called Cherokee Star. Of course, okay. every tribe will name it their star. Right, but of course, right. since I come from the Cherokee Choctaw area then that's what we call it right but that but that's kind of one of those things that's kind of interesting is yeah out east you know it would kind of be more of a starburst or something (laughs) and where we're at it's texas or it'd be a cherokee star and right very bright very 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 usually very very bright i mean if you're out east or out west they kind of dull their colors up but they're yeah. in the middle. We like our colors. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that's interesting too. I, I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole nother, that's, I mean, that's a great topic to get into is just the types of colors that are used based on specific regions. Oh, sure. Sure. You know, the, the, not on, so obviously there's hundreds of millions of, uh, of different quilt patterns, different colors, different palettes of colors and so on and so forth that have been used and are continually used with, in quilts and clothing and in any textile really. And a, a lot of these colors, patterns, these text, the textures of the fabric and so on are very regional and a lot of different regions tend to stick to a kind of, uh, more uh, similar, palette. similar color palette. Exactly. They do. I will say that I think 
um, the traditional quilts that you'll see, and, it, and most of the time people will think, they'll either think of a specific quilt that their mother, grandmother, whoever made for them, but when you just look at quilts, the ones that have stood the test of time are always going to be your traditional quilts. Oh, absolutely. So, I well, mean, I mean, that's, like, that's, that's true for fashion as well. Saying, that, that's true for most textiles. You just interrupted me all the time. Eric you interrupt Rod. me too. I'm your mother. I can do that. Okay. All right. But yeah, it's, it's like clothing and stuff like that. You know, something's in fashion this week and next week it's out of fashion or whatever. But the quilts are the same way. So, you know, there's some of the new things that have kind of, you know, started with the thread art and, and uh, painting the fabrics and dyeing your own and and that kind of thing and people still do them and they're still beautiful but you know if you if you look at that and you look at a Texas Star Cherokee Star you always immediately recognize right what that is yeah oh absolutely so, and you always do around the world is another one that's very it was very popular easy to do it's an easy quilt but. Uh, yeah, there's there's quite a few of them. But those traditional quilts, it's like Amish quilts. You always recognize an Amish quilt. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, and I mean that's that's exactly what we've been what we've been talking about is the majority of quilting and is very social, it's very regional, it's very a lot of it can be very specific. But I mean, the colors that the Amish use. Right. You always recognize the, those Amish colors. Yeah. And uh so if you you know rally quilts? Or uh, sorry, R- Riley quilts. I'm not quite sure. No. It's a, it's, so it's another specific type of, or specific regional quilt that has pretty bright colors. A lot of the a lot of the times they they would put uh, like beads and sequins and and things within the quilts uh, for for specific events like weddings and such. Right. And yeah, those are just another example of a regional type quilt that has a very specific color palette. Yeah. Well. Um, generally, you don't put beads or any of that on a quilt because it's to be functional. Right. It's not really all that comforting, or you know. Yeah. Well, I guess the the route the the rally patterns or the rally quilts that they were the ones that had beads or sequins and so on were mostly decorative. Decorative. You know, the, they would they would make them for like a a, cor- a baby's christening or a wedding or something of that accord. Yeah. Mm. Did you say rally quilt? Yeah. I've never heard of those. It's always something new to learn. Yeah, there really is. Well, and obviously, and also, you know, also there's something, there's always something that has happened that is, that you're, that people could be eager, eager to learn from. I mean, we've, we've talked about the political leanings of different quilts and also the, the regional, uh, color palettes and the regional, is sociability and so on, but we've also, we haven't talked about the, the Underground Railroad. The Underground Railroad also used quilts. They oh, used yeah. quilts as, as codes. And a lot of these codes were warning signs to any potential runners of the immediate dangers ahead of them. They would hang them in, they would hang them on porches or in windows or somewhere visible from, uh, you know, the, the pathways near, near people's homes and they would have different patchwork sewn in them a lot of times so there there were a couple symbols that were recognized like a bow tie a bow tie was a a dress in disguise to appear of a higher status so and then a bear paw would be to follow an animal trail through the mountains to find water and food 
and then a log cabin would be seek shelter now. Now the people are here here are safe to speak with. So if you saw a log cabin, you knew you could go in that home. Mm-hmm. You also have monkey wrench, which uh, means get get ready, get your tools. You're going to need to build a shelter, navigate the journey, or defend yourself along the way. Yeah. Crossroads, keep going and travel to the crossroads in Cleveland, Ohio, nicknamed Hope. This vibrant underground station was the last stop where slaves would board a boat to Canada. Oh, wow. Here's my drunkard's path. Yep. Go back one space. This quilt is, dis- this quilt block is a sign that slave hunters are nearby, doubled back to elude them immediately. North Star, which actually that's also a Katie's corner, but that would be a prairie quilt. Um, look to the skies to help you navigate the way. Follow the North Star to Canada. I've got a lot of them. Tumbling, blo- tumbling blocks is also a, a very traditional Amish quilt. Yeah. But uh, tumbling blocks on the Underground Railroad is time to, the time has come to box up your belongings. Your escape will be happening soon. Yeah. So, you know, they, they were, oh, there's another one. Flying geese, uh, followed the migrating geese north to Canada. But, you know, I think a lot of these quilts also, I guess, would really give hope. Oh, know? absolutely. I mean, it's hope. It was a whole secret language that people, you know, could see because a lot of the slaves, um, well, a lot of the people just in general did not read or write. Yeah. So symbols yeah. and sim- symbols was how they communicated. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was really a stroke of genius to use quilts. Well, I mean, if, and if you look about it, if you look at it from a different perspective, humans have been using symbols. I mean, obviously since Egyptian times, I mean, the hieroglyphics were how that was the first one of the first forms of written communication. So symbols have always been an integral part of human history. I mean, if you look at the hobos also in that time period, the they would use specific symbols on on different farmers posts and so on to basically tell other hobos, you know, you can find work here or you know, the owner of this house is really mean, he's not going to pay you or you know what have you. So Symbols have always been a way for people to communicate with each other and being able to see these symbols specifically made for people in your same, in, in your same position. You're absolutely right. I, I definitely think are a symbol of hope or at least a, at least a point of comfort. Yeah. It'd be a point of comfort that, uh, you know, cause I guess if you're out wandering or you're trying to sneak away or, you know, whatever you, it, it's good to have a symbol. Oh, look. Look, you know, it'd be kind of like a oasis in the desert. Right. Just well, like, it'd be like a shining star. You know, it'd be, absolutely. it's like the star of David for the three wise men. Absolutely. I mean, that, that entire time was, you know, such a horrible time in American history, but it, it is part of our history and it is part of our history. And I think this part is, is really just pretty ingenious. Well, you know, I how think- they did. I mean, it's, they've, they've overcome such horrible nightmares and hardships and whatnot, but seeing how this was one of the ways that they overcame mm-hmm. and they escaped and they made their own life and all the other people that were willing to help them. Right. So, you know, these were white families that were taking them into their home or, you know, yeah. moving them along. Yeah. I mean, and, and people of every, people of every race that help that, 
that help slaves escape were killed or murdered were were everything and so on all throughout this this period of history because obviously like we i mean like we're saying that yes it was a very dark very horrible time throughout history but it was also it was also i would say one of a shining example uh that you know even in the darkest times there are still people that care about each other oh sure well you know another point or another thought too is these quilts aren't made overnight no so you know these quilts had to be planned their Mm -hmm. fabric had to be gathered which was not easy then oh you know they had to be put together they had to be quilted you know this this was not an overnight kind of i'm just going to walmart and picking up this quilt that has a picture on it yeah they didn't have walmart back then they didn't well no they didn't have walmart But, I mean, it's really something that, you know, that that family really had, I mean, you they had, had to, to they had to invest to think into it. it. Yeah, yeah, you were invested. You had to take time. You know, that was, it was quite a bit. Also, also, like I, like I was saying earlier, if you were found out, then you were just, as, I mean, you were hanged, you were killed, and if oh, you yeah. were maimed and so on. So you were taking, I mean, you were taking on all that risk, just as much, if not more of that risk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, we are going to talk more about all that when we come back. Hi, my name is Kaylin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Tea Time Thoughts. Do you ever wish you could learn more about history, books, music, art, and culture, but you just don't know where to start? I totally feel your pain. Learning about all these things can be so overwhelming. Well, I want to change all of that for you. In my podcast, Tea Time Thoughts, I'll show you just how fun it all can be. In the time it takes to have a cup of tea, I'm going to teach you everything from the French Revolution to the Black Plague, Mozart to Broadway musicals, Da Vinci to Robert Frost, Ancient Egypt to Queen Elizabeth II, and more. You can stream Tea Time Thoughts wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So what are you waiting for? Put the kettle on and listen to Tea Time Thoughts today. Welcome back. Welcome back to Hip and Humble. I'm still Aram. And I'm still Mom. And we are still talking about quilts. Yes, we are. All right. And we are supported by Hip and Humble Antiques, LLC. If you're not following us on Instagram, please do. I am kind of hurt that you're not already, but I will get over it. Hip, well, hip and Humble. Please follow us on Instagram at dot. Humble. Also, if you really like what we what we do and you think we're doing a pretty decent job at it, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and leave us a tip on patreon.com slash hip and humble. That's patreon.com slash hip and humble. And anything you guys put into us, we'll put right back into the show for you. We are also supported by the WGSN DB Going Solo Network. It is a national online radio network with tons of great providers, and we are so grateful to be a part of it. And we encourage you to listen to all of their shows and materials. All right, so we we had just kind of started to delve into quilts in the quilts in the underground, underground railroad and uh, the symbolism that was the symbolism and the codes that were put into those quilts for people on the underground railroad to understand or have signs as to what they should do in certain areas or, or certain areas or around certain homes. Yeah, and they you know they really had. A lot of time to develop these codes, these codes, right. and just subtle meanings and mm-hmm. and uh, kind of nuances and whatnot. That you know to develop them, but then also to pass them on. Well, yeah, I mean that, that's a point I was going to make. Just the nuance, the nuance, and also the specificities of these codes had to go down or go through tons and you know hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, 
they, obviously they didn't have telephones at the time. There weren't text messages. They didn't have like a secret server on the internet that they could all go to and log into and see, nope. you know, see what each thing meant. You know, these, these were whispers that had to be, that had to be spread by word of mouth, by a hushed word of mouth, you know, over hundreds and thousands of geographical miles. The, the sheer fact that all of this information was able to be passed around and understood universally is an absolute miracle. Uh, well, it sure is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it really is. But I mean, there were, you know, just so many different ways, I guess, you know, for this underground railroad to work. I don't think that really, you know, there's a lot of controversy of whether or not, you know, quilts were the, were used or not. I do think that they were used. Do I yeah. think there was a lot of other things? Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you know, quilts can't be the only, you know, way to get a message across. I well, mean, I on. mean, if you, if you limit, if you limit yourself to one mode of communication and that mode of communication gets found out. There you go. You know, you, you're kind of, you're kind of, you're kind of kaput. So, yep. and that's, a, and that's another testament to the intuition and the cleverness of everyone in that time period that was going through that time is just how intelligent they really were moving forward and, and getting themselves out of these horrid, horrid situations. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, but I, you know, I, I think that quilts were used and I mean, I think yeah. that they, they had di- decades really to develop, you know, the different nuances that are associated with the underground railroad quilts. Right. So even some of the colors, you know, it's not just always the pattern. Sometimes right. it would be the colors and, you know, the, there's just quite a lot to it. It's, I think pretty interesting myself. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, like, like, we, like what, we, like we have been saying, just the, the sheer amount of intuition in this form of communication and also the nuanced communication that it is being, and being that information being able to be spread amongst everybody that was in that situation, amongst all the slaves that were in their situations and, and all of the families along the underground railroad that were helping those slaves all had to uh, get that information and create those symbols uh, to be somewhat universal as well. Right. Right. And that just takes time. Absolutely. You know, it, it definitely, it takes time. And of course there's a lot of rock stars that were on the underground railroad. I mean, Harriet Tubman was, right. was a big one that was in it. Thomas Garrett. Yep. Um, well, and obviously with Harriet Tubman and, and those of you who know your history know Harriet Tubman is, you know, was a rock star in the <laughs> Underground Railroad. And she, I mean, she did it, she did it in the snow, in the rain, uphill both ways. Yeah. You know, against, yeah. against some of the most ad- adverse, um, against some of the most uh, adverse conditions. And, after she after she went back, she went back down into the south to help other people come up the Underground Railroad. Yeah, she did, and you know she she died in 1913. Yeah, yeah, so, that was after your Mima was born. It was my my papa would have been uh, three years old. Yeah, but William William Still, Levi Coffin, um, David Ruggles, Lewis Hayden, Isaac Hopper. There was a lot of a lot of people back then that were just rock stars with that uh, with the underground railroad that really highly contributed to it that were very instrumental in helping slaves to escape right so and you know sometimes i guess people nowadays they want everything right this minute but a lot of these people they got people out one at a time right you know, well, I mean, d- delayed gratification was the only was the only gratification at that point. Sure, sure. I mean, and 
I mean, the argue, there's a, a wonderful argument to be made that delayed gratification <laughs> is preferable to instant gratification because instant gratification Not instantly goes slave. away. If you're a slave, <laughs> I'd want instant. Oh, absolutely. That's absolutely. what I'm saying that, you know, a lot of times, you know, you think of, I guess, especially like uh, Tubman and whatnot, like there's a crowd of people following her out. And it's like, that's not quite the way it was. It was, you know, one person or a family or, you know, it was just one or two people, but for every one of those one or two people, you know, that was, that was, that was another, that was another person not being enslaved. Right. You know, regardless, huge accomplishment. I mean, you know, the bar, the Bible says if even one soul is saved, all the angels in heaven rejoice. And I would say in that situation, that's, it's the same, it's the same you know, if one person gets out of slavery, that's, that's, that's count for, for elation. Oh, yeah. yeah. A justification for elation. Definitely, definitely. And of course, politicians back then were, of course, pro-slavery. Yeah. Most all of them. And, and yeah. were for years after that, too. Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the Democrats in the South were, were, the, were the reason for a lot of the, Jim Crow laws and everything moving into the 20th century. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they and they always have, and yeah. There's a whole lot of arguments I could go in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and this is uh, this is not a political podcast, so we're not we're not going to go too far down that hole. But it, you know that the politics of the time is a, is an important reference to understanding the history. Oh, definitely, absolutely, it is. But and it just kind of shows you really how dangerous it was for for the white people. That were helping, mm-hmm. um, because then they, they would be singled out. Right. And they would be strung or hung or burned or, you know, they would be killed or they yeah. would be desolate. Yeah. You know, it, it was not, it's not easy by any means for the slaves and, and it was horrible. But then, you know, whenever you do help them out and stuff, then you get caught and then you're, in yeah. the same position. Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's what we were talking about earlier. You know, anyone who t- any anyone who was decent in that time was taking the risk of being killed by everyone who wasn't. Well, yeah, and there was just a lot of people who wasn't. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Slavery, like we like we said from the beginning. I mean, it was one of the darkest times in American history by far. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I would agree. And uh, back to quilting, though, there there are quilters in recent history who have solidified the quilting's usage in the Underground Railroad by craft, crafting quilts specifically in the memory of these historic and very punk rock quilts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know as I'd say they're punk rock, but okay. Yeah, I mean they're definitely they were definitely contrary to the norm of the culture at the time, and that's 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 pretty punk rock. Well, I do think that they were. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they would be the first that actually had specific designs, but I do. <coughs> sorry, guys, my I got allergies and it's killing me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, you know, I'm trying to kind of think back in my head when, really, I guess you would say like a quote unquote quilt block was really first invented because most of the quilts, you know, prior to, I don't know. 1700s or whatnot they were scrappy quilts they weren't right. they weren't uh yeah well, we talked about it in, that in the yeah, first they episode weren't designed but i mean i think i think during that 1700s and you know that time period with slavery and whatnot i think that that's kind of when i really remember maybe um actual specific quilt blocks were yeah. really identified yes well so there are a couple different sources on it but so but mps.gov it 
says that the history of cult patterns are blocks that are displayed on, on cult trails. So these blocks specifically were first designed around 1862. Yeah. So that, you know, but I mean, that kind of, you know, adds to the story of the Underground Railroad quilts and stuff because these blocks were specifically, you know, were created and made with these uh, meanings and symbols right. and whatnot in them. Mm-hmm. Where prior to that, your utilitarian quilts were scrappy. I mean, it was the end part of Grandpa's shirt stitched onto what was left over from a feed sack. A feed sack. Right. You know, that was just kind of the way that that was. But, you know, to have a quilt that is actually designed was really a luxury. Because oh, yeah. you can't, you know, nowadays I can go to, go to my fabric store and I can buy 10 yards of white fabric to use as a background and then I can pick out whatever colors that I want. And back then, boy, if you got 10 yards of fabric of any kind, I mean, that was not going into a quilt. Oh, no. That was going into clothing. It was yeah. going into a coat. It was a bedding. It was, mm-hmm. you know, the quilt was the bottom of the bottom of the totem pole. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, you're not wearing a quilt every time you go out and go work. No. You no. know, you're, you're, you're going to wear pants. You're going to wear socks or sorry, stockings at the time. And your quilts were made out of whatever scraps you had. Yeah, that. whatever you had left over. So to, to have a quilt that was, you know, designed with a specific pattern, mm-hmm. that, that was something special. Yeah. Well, and also a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the early pioneers and, uh, frontiersmen and so on from the 1650s to the 1850s, a lot of them wore what they caught. So as yeah. far as leather or, um, or fur and so on and things like that, you know, everything that, everything that was around them, they used. Well, I, I remember my mother and I, we watched, it was actually a pretty interesting documentary on, uh, it's a 17th century England's Christmas. Oh, wow. And they were, you know, kind of going through how they prepared for this meal, which really started like six months prior to Christmas. <laughs> I mean, it was like a long thing, but one of the things that stuck in my head, well, several things did, but one thing that stuck in my head was, um, they would get, uh, paper, you know, if they had any papers or anything like that, and they would basically, if they didn't have fabric or whatnot, they would sew together paper and might put like hay in the middle of it or, you know, kind of for the batting and whatnot, and they would sleep under these kind of layers of paper because that's what they had. Wow. You know, that's what they had. So if they didn't have the fabric, they still, they knew that a quilt is the best way to stay warm. Right. Because you've got a top layer, a middle layer, and bottom layer, so you're trapping all that heat in there. So if mm-hmm. you didn't actually have a quilt, you know, this was something else that they would use. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know what, that's, that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of ingenious. Yeah, this is, I mean, just because, just because you don't have fabric doesn't mean you don't need to be warm. I mean, it'd be kind of crinkly, but. Yeah, well, I was to say the comfort level is not exactly high, but, no. it, I, but at least you're warm. I mean, I'm dying with my allergies right now because if, if all y'all don't know, we're in Virginia and this season is called pollen season. Yeah. And well, everything south of the Mason Dixon right now is pollen season. Yep. So, but I'm going to head up to Alaska next week. And I know it's going to be like 20 degrees or very neg- cold, negative 20. But you know what they don't have? Pollen or or bugs or bugs. They have no bugs up there. Be doing my happy dance in my coat. Yeah. Just bears. I'm OK with bears. <laughs> I'm over here and they're over there. I'm OK with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I don't want to meet one, but, you know. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about um 
the there were some cultures in recent history who kind of solidified the the cool things uses in the underground ra- railroad. Sharon Tyndall is uh, one of them. She's a Virginia a Virginia based quilter. She's an ed- educator and one in a tradition of contemporary quilters who design textile works inspired by the quilt code, quote-unquote, in the Underground Railroad. A lot of her handmade quilts are now hanging in the Johnson House. And for those of you who know your history, this this house was a crucial station in the Underground Railroad. So I would say, honestly, quilts in the U.S. history have been symbols of freedom in every sense of the word, from political leanings, political ideologies, Support or adversities to wars or military movements, uh, you know, as far as symbols of hope or comfort or love. Community. Community. Quilts have really been this. One of the things that stitches us together. I was just going to say something about stitching. (laughs) (laughs) It's the, it's the fabric text. It's the texture, the tapestry, the, Stitching an intricate tapestry that weaves us all together. Oh, yeah. Well, at its center, a quilt is an assemblage of historical and creative cues in the form of fabrics, shapes, symbols, textures, and colors. So they commemorate things. They they do. You know, quilts also they're um, called crazy quilts. Oh and yeah, crazy quilts were pretty pretty interesting because you kind of have to branch off from quilting into your embroidery and stuff like that. Um, embroidery was, was a very high class activity. Oh, yeah. um, well, that was what, uh, that was what a lot of the rich housewives did with their time. Right. And that's how they showed their status. So that, that was also the girls would actually go be sent to school for embroidery and their handwork and stuff there. The boys would go to another school to learn math and whatever. And the girls right. would go and learn, um, these fancy embroidery and stuff techniques, but crazy quilts kind of combine that. Interesting. Because crazy quilts are just all, whatever kind of fabric you have and you just stick it all together. No rhyme, no reason, no pattern, nothing, but they would practice their embroidery stitches like in between the, the different lines. Right. So embroider onto those quilts. So if you get, get a chance and you find a really great crazy quilt, those are, those are really pretty interesting. And I think that sometimes those are more interesting than, than, uh, other quilts just because they were, you know, to me, they were practice quilts. They were not planned. They used up every little scrap of fabric, but I like seeing the different handiwork and the different embroidery that's on them and mm-hmm. kind of where they went with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, cause, you know, of course, embroidery is, is a whole language all itself. Oh, oh, of course. And I mean, uh, there, there's oh, I'm, millions of examples of, of really cool embroidery and you can spell out different phrases and, and so on and so forth. Well, and you've got cruel work. Right. And you've, you've just got a lot of different things that are in there. And of course, in cruel work and kind of embroidery type work is also regional. Yes. So you're doing more cruel work. You're working with wools. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a lot of wool in the Midwest. No. So, you know, no. of course, Iceland and some of the other countries around the world, you know, obviously have a whole lot more sheep than we do. Yeah. So they got a lot Well, I would imagine wool. they needed a lot more in Greenland and Iceland. Well, yeah, it's a little chilly. A little chilly. But that's what they're known for is their wool. Mm-hmm. And um, Well, and the fact that uh, you can walk into a doctor's office and get treated the same day. And get the medicine that you're prescribed. 
<laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. Be like the Canadians that got to wait six, eight months for an appointment. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the Canadians and, uh, and that. Uh, the, in Iceland, they have a population that's so small. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the big difference. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You might be able to go to the doctor the same day because there's only you and him in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You maybe got, Oh, maybe 300 people in your village. I'm pretty sure all of you guys can go. You guys can all get a separate, a separate appointment within one year. Yep, pretty much. But anyway, um, with the quilts and stuff, with the uh, embroidery and whatnot, it was just another way to embellish mm-hmm. the quilts, but also practice because uh, they would do a lot of this kind of work, um, for their furniture. So you'll see a lot of tapestry designs on the furniture and stuff, and that's embroidery. Yeah. And they would go through and, you know, practice the de- different techniques and uh, maybe motifs, all, you know, all kinds of things. But, uh, quilts were kind of, kind of a good jumping off place for everybody. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about quilts themselves. Uh, specific quilts as being symbols or having symbols written in them or being uh, used as codes and, and so on and so forth. But quilts as a, in quilts also have been used to raise money. Like we, we also talked, oh, yeah. you know, we've talked about with, uh, the Amish, the, the, Quilts themselves have been pulled together by different communities to raise, raise funds for, for different things. And also, there's another thing with the, uh, with the Underground Railroad and, and even before 1830 during the height of slavery, uh, abolitionists, which of course were people who were against slavery, they worked, they were working very hard to enslave, in slavery. And one of the ways they did this was to hold these grand fairs to raise awareness and money for the abolitionist cause. And quilts were one of the, one of the many things that they sold at these fairs to raise money for that cause. Which probably is another way that they, um, got the symbols out mm-hmm. to different folks. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. No, I had a, <clears throat> excuse me, whenever you were a baby, I made a quilt for the, um, Malmstrom's, uh, officer's wives club and they, they auctioned that quilt off. And I know it made, it wasn't even a big quilt. It was a wall hanging basically. Oh, wow. I would say it was about three, three hundred, three hundred fifty dollars for that wall hanging. Wow. So. I was pretty proud of it. It was a nice, it was a neat quilt. That is neat. So yeah, I made that quilt for them. That was fun. So I started to teach a quilting class there, but then I had Aram. Yeah, I just ruined everything. Yeah, well, yeah. you were not real interested in going to sit with me while I teach a class. <laughs> Probably, I, I wouldn't imagine I was at that point. No, no. But folks, you're a good little baby though. I appreciate that. Not didn't sleep. <laughs> no, he did sleep. No, take that K- back. That Kale, was Kale. Kale didn't oh. sleep. No. Well, folks, that is it for right now. We are out of time. Oh, okay. Well, mm. okay. <laughs> Folks, thank you guys so much for spending this time with us and listening to something that, well, my mother's really, really, truly passionate about. And it's very exciting for me to listen to this perspective from her. And I, I hope you guys are getting just as much, if not more, enjoyment than it from me. And, and we, you know, together really enjoy this time that we get to spend with each other and with you. And, and we're just very grateful for that. Yes. Yes, we are. All right. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again. Stay hip. And humble. All right. Bye. Bye.